one of the joys of this time of year is I end up doing a lot of barbecuing and I think you have to have charcoal for the hamburgers to take the best, taste the best. And uh, so I'll start up a charcoal fire and if it's hot, man, these, uh, if the fire gets hot and, the, and just the right temperature, these hamburgers are gonna turn out so good. You know, I'm not much of a cook, but I can make a mean uh, cheeseburger on a barbecue. Now, as I uh, cook up these hamburgers, I keep it far enough away from the house because I know that fire is great for grilling burgers, but it would be a disaster if it were to start the fire on uh, the house on fire, obviously. Now, I, I bring up that idea of a fire because in the Bible, uh, Jesus uses the idea of a fire as an analogy. And sometimes he uses the fire as an analogy for one of the most beautiful and beneficial gifts that he could ever give us, being that of the Holy Spirit. But sometimes he uh, uses fire as one of the most dreadful and frightening things, referring to God's judgment, God's punishment and wrath towards uh, those that reject him. And so fire is a beautiful thing for those that accept Jesus and love him, but it is a dreadful and frightful thing, things that we don't even like to think of or speak of when we think of those that would reject and uh, disavow God from their lives. In the passage that we're going to look at in the sermon today, Jesus uh, uh, speaks of how he brings fire to earth. And when we consider these things in detail, it is one of the harder uh, teachings from all of Jesus for us to understand. But this very uh, hard teaching is also helpful for us, especially in the, in the time that we are now living in. In fact, in, the, in this passage, we have a challenge for us that is uh, very important for us to consider uh, in, the in the things that we are currently going through. And I think that all that we are wrestling with, it is crucial for us to ask uh, ourselves, what is God up to? to try to take the spiritual eyes of our hearts and our souls and our, and our minds to consider what is God doing during this time? What is he seeking to accomplish in our country and in our culture? And I take that question very seriously. In fact, I'd like you to wrestle with that right now. I wanna put a question on the screen and I'd like you to take a moment and to think about this. The question is, what do you think God is seeking to accomplish during this time of coronavirus and all that is happening in our country and culture? Take a moment, I'm just gonna leave the question on the screen and, uh, and go before the Lord and, and seriously ask him that question and uh, wrestle with it in your own heart. In fact, if you're with some people watching this right now, maybe family members, you might pause the video for a minute and ask yourselves, uh, talk about what do you think God is seeking to accomplish during this time of coronavirus and all that is happening in our country and culture? And as you've had a moment to reflect upon that, uh, after you've had a moment to reflect upon that, 
start the video back up and I will join you in the sanctuary, pray for us, and then look at this passage from Luke 12 in greater detail. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, now as we turn to your word, we pray that you would uh, speak to us. Uh, God, we've come with anticipation that, that your word will enlighten our lives and, and uh, the things that we are experiencing right now in this world and in this culture and, and during this unique time. And so God, we ask that you would be our teacher and that you would impress upon us the things that you would have for us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, looking into the text that we have before us today, Jesus says in Luke 12, starting in verse 49, I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and what constraint I am under until it is completed. You can sense the anticipation in Jesus' teaching here. He says, oh man, I, I wish it were already kindled. I'm under constraint until it is completed. He looks forward with anticipation and with uh, excitement and with a passion in his heart that these things would be accomplished right now. The things that he is referring to, uh, as we've already talked about the, the fire that he brings refers to, first of all, a judgment. That's the way that Jesus uses fire in Luke 3, 9. But it can also refer to the Holy Spirit, the way that he used it in Luke 3, 16. And this idea of uh, the fire of judgment and the fire of the Holy Spirit might seem like polar opposites, but it's actually, these things are both actually two sides to the same coin. Because both of them are a part of God's purifying process. When we look at the, the way the Old Testament prophets looked, uh, used the analogy of a fire, it was always in reference to how God would purify his people and purify the earth. And we might understand the same thing. When God brings his Holy Spirit, it comes into the hearts of those that would receive him to change them from the inside out, to transform them, to purify them, to become more like Christ. And when we speak of God's judgment, it is also an act of purification that God is casting out those things and, and even those people that uh, are opposed to the work of God. Now, ultimately, this purification is rooted in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And when Jesus refers to his baptism, that is what it is uh, referring to. Jesus is coming crucifixion. And it is only after his death on the cross that both God's judgment comes and the Holy Spirit comes. In Jesus' death on the cross, everything is changed. It's turned upside down. That's what we have experienced as followers of Jesus. When we have invited him into our lives, our sins have been forgiven. 
Our hearts have been purified where there was once uh, bitterness and anger. He now fills us with peace and joy. And that's not only true for individuals. It is also the tr- uh, true for the work that God is doing in the world. It is through the work of Jesus that he turns everything upside down. Or really, I should say, he turns everything right side up. Listen to how Eugene Peterson translates this verse in the message. In the message, uh, Luke 12, 49 and 50 reads this way. I've come to start a fire on this earth. How I wish it were blazing right now. I've come to change everything, to turn everything right side up. That's the work that God is doing. And in fact, as followers of Christ, that's the work that he's called us to join him in. A work to take the uh, message of the cross and the good news that that brings so that the wrongs of this world, the, the way that it is screwed up and messed up, might be turned right side up so that things, so that things and, and people can be aimed towards God and receive the blessings of God that he has for us. This past week, I had the opportunity to serve along with others at Cameron Elementary. And, uh, and that's the school just a half a block or so down here from the church. And, uh, you know, part of it just felt like, hey, we're filling s- slots of uh, when we're directing traffic for the families that are coming in to drop off their school supplies or to pick up the stuff that they uh, the students had left at school when we were all of a sudden uh, forced into homeschooling and uh, shelter at home. And, uh, but at the same time, even though I'm just out there directing cars where to go, there, is, there was a sense in my heart, this is right, this is good. This is the type of thing that we are called to as a church to be involved in the community in practical ways just to make an impact for good and ultimately to set the wrongs right, but to share the gospel of Jesus Christ in very practical ways. And that doesn't have to be done just at Cameron Elementary. That includes all the different ways that God is leading us to be a blessing to those around us. And that may look differently for each one of us, but that is the universal call for all of us who are followers of Jesus, to be involved in his work of turning uh, wrongs towards, towards the right, turning uh, those that are opposed to God to, to God. And just as we could sense the anticipation of Jesus in his words here, what constraint I am under until it is completed, we also uh, join in with those emotions and have a burden and an excitement to see God's purifying work done in our community and in our individual hearts and lives and in the hearts and lives of those that we know and love. And it is with that burden and that heart that make the next words of Jesus so difficult to hear. In verse 51, he says, Do not think I came to bring peace on earth. No, I tell you, but division. 
From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Now, I have to admit that these are difficult verses to understand. How can Jesus say that he doesn't come to bring peace on this earth, but he comes to bring division when we remember that on the night he was born, an angel proclaimed from uh, the sky that he was coming to bring peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And how can we uh, understand that there are to be divisions within a family, two against three and three against two, when we are called as followers of Christ to be peacemakers? In fact, Jesus has uh, said in the Beatitudes, in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the peacemakers. And Paul instructed us in Romans 12, 18, to live at peace with others to the very best of our ability. Uh, what is Jesus saying here when he says that he has uh, come and caused division? Well, it's not that it's what he is not saying is that we as followers of Christ are to try and call, cause divisions. What he is saying is that it is inevitable. Some will hear about Jesus and give their hearts and lives to him, and it'll be the very best thing that has ever happened to them. They will come to love him and cherish him with their whole lives. And others will have the exact opposite response. They will reject God and dislike everything about him, coming to even hate Jesus. Paul says it in this way in 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to, those who are, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You notice there, there are two camps. There is a division here that we are talking about. And some of us know this all too well in our own experience you gave your life to Christ and it was the most wonderful thing that ever happened to you. Uh, you may have even thought that if everyone just heard the news of Jesus, they would be uh, saved and that they would be just as thrilled about it as you are. But you got a rude awakening that not everyone was so thrilled. In fact, there were some who were downright upset and told you to knock it off. They turned against you simply because you turned to Christ. Well, I'd like you to know that they really didn't turn against you. They were already against God and they were simply upset that you were changing teams and that you are now a child of God. And so they weren't really rejecting you as much as they were rejecting God. But this is really hard for us to accept because... Each of us have family members that we love deeply and we long to be at peace and in harmony with them. But we strive, uh, but we, and while we strive for this, our loyalty is also first and foremost to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God commanded us to love and honor our parents, and that is a commandment that's just as true for us today as the day it was given 
to Moses on Mount Sinai when he received the Ten Commandments. And we love and honor our parents, even if they are not followers of Jesus Christ. But our first commandment, our greatest commandment, Jesus said, is to love the Lord our, God's, our God with all our hearts, souls, minds, and strength. And so what are we to do with this understanding that the message of Christ causes division? How are we as followers of Christ to live if what, we, what, what is at the core of our lives is causing some to be turned away from God and causing others to come to God? Are we to shine the light of Jesus as brightly as we can and stir up division in the process? Are we to burn all bridges and simply speak the truth of God, come what may? Or are we to wait patiently for that open door in the conversation, but be quiet until that time comes, if it ever does come? Or are we to pray, 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 but what if prayer becomes an excuse for not wanting to rock the boat? There's no real pat answer here. Of all the questions that I've asked, uh, there may be, that may be the strategy in one situation and not in another. There's no uh, easy way to approach these things. But the one thing that is true in each and every situation is that we are to share the love of God boldly and sensitively and strategically and graciously. And then to know that there will be some who will receive it and love it, and others who will reject it and turn against us because of it. And there's nothing we can do about that. We are not responsible for how people react to the good news of God. We are simply to share the gospel and then pray and love and not shy away from sharing the gospel because we know that there are some who will reject it. We're reminded of the parable of the soils that Jesus taught. Remember, there are four soils in this, in this parable. There is, uh, there, there is the soil that is uh, along the path. And Jesus says that there will be some that when we share the gospel, when we sow the seed, that that seed will fall on the path and birds will come and eat it. In other words, the, the message of the gospel will never take root in their heart or life. And then he says that there, were, there are some that will fall along on rocky soil and it'll spring up quickly. Uh, but as soon as the heat of the sun comes, because there is a shallow root, that plant will wither away. And that represents those that would receive the good news of Jesus. But they never go deep in their faith. And as soon as hardships and troubles come, because there's not... a there's not much to their faith. They're going to wither away and fall away from the faith. And then Jesus says that there is some seed that falls among uh, weeds and thorns, and it, grow, and it grows up among the weeds and the thorns, but it gets choked out by the troubles and the concerns of life. And there are many who receive Christ, but get choked out. But then the good news is that there are some that fall among good soil. And these are the ones that grow up, that grow and bear fruit. These are the ones that receive Christ and, uh, and their love for God 
becomes uh, deep within them so that they are able to share the love of God with others. You see, of the four soils, there is only one who really takes root and bears fruit. And we are, in and we are not uh, responsible for who takes root and produces fruit. We simply sow and God grows. We simply sow and God grows. It's not, our responsible, it's not our responsibility to change how anyone responds to the love of God. Our, our responsibility is simply to share the love of God and to pray and to love those that we are in relationship with. God takes care of the rest. And I know that that sounds very simple, but that is one of those things that's easier said than done. Those that I long to see come to know Christ, I, I have a burden for and, it, and I almost want to take a responsibility for. In fact, even as a minister of the gospel here at the church, it's my heart. To, it is often a, a temptation for me to rely on myself and want to change people. But we must have a, mind sh a mindset shift here so that we rely on God and that he gets the glory for all that is done. Going back to the text now in Luke 12, uh, verse 54, Jesus said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you, said, you say it's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? And that's a challenge for us right now. How do we interpret this present time that we are going through? This is such a unique time in, our, in the life of our country and in, in our own experience with uh, quarantine orders and with uh, homeschooling and with working from home or maybe even being laid off. And we look at what's happening not only in our own lives, but what's happening in our country. And we wonder, what is God up to? How are we to interpret the present time? Well, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot lately is how this is in line with the previous teaching that Jesus has already given us. Is this not a time of division? We see greater and greater divisions politically between Democrats and Republic, Republicans, socioeconomically between the rich and the poor. And, uh, and unfortunately, what has been dominating the news this week is the divisions that take place because of race. In fact, I think it is very sad to see what's going on in certain cities around our country right now. And we pray for God, God to intervene in each of those situations. In fact, I don't know if, it, uh, if you want to join me for a moment. Maybe, maybe I could take a minute and pray for us right now in the racial divides that are taking place in this country, even at the present moment. Let's just go back uh, to the Lord in prayer, and then we're going to wrap this up with some thoughts about uh, what's happening in our world right around us. God, we are burdened to know that there are 
those in our country right now that, that are feeling uh, like they have been treated unfairly and, uh, and that there has been a lot of injustice. We grieve with uh, families that have lost loved ones uh, for no justifiable reason because of violence. Uh, but God, we know that only you know how to bring peace to these kind of situations. And we pray for your intervention. It's hard for me to even know how to pray other than to pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so God, we pray that you would work. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so now I want to just consider one more kind of divide, the, the divide that Jesus is talking about here in this faith, in this passage, and that is the divide of faith between those that know Jesus and those that do not know him. And I want to just say what I think is happening right now in our country and culture is that the dividing lines of faith in God are being drawn with a thicker marker. There are more who are identifying themselves as having no relationship with God. And there are those who are followers of God who are being called to take a stronger stand in their faith. You see, the dividing line between those that have faith in God and those that don't are being drawn with thicker markers. This is not necessarily something that we want or that we have pursued. Like we pointed out in this passage, this is just inevitable. This is something that's simply happening. And I think that this time of coronavirus will accelerate that. There will be more that will come to faith in Jesus Christ, but there will also be more that will walk away from faith. Those that have been on the, on the fence having a, a religion that is just by name only. They call themselves Christians, but they aren't really believers and followers of Jesus Christ. There will be more that will walk away from the faith, but there will also be more that take a significant, um, uh, take a significant uh, stand in their relationship with Jesus and identify with him. You see, this is a time of God's pruning. And that's a good thing. Pruning is healthy for us. It's not easy. It's painful. But pruning is for our good. If we were to use the analogy of weather that Jesus uses in, in this passage, we might look at the horizon and we might be able to say there is a storm that is a brewing. Or we might even look at the uh, world around us right now and we can say we are already in a storm, but let me, but let me tell you that it's going to get worse. It's going to get more difficult. There are difficult times ahead. I can see Christians struggling. I can see uh, churches that are struggling in the future. And I don't, and I don't uh, look forward to the storm, but I also know that it can be good and even exciting. You see, I love a good storm. Not that I love conflict, but speaking of weather, I love a good storm. Uh, it's fun to see the lightning and to hear the thunder. 
to feel the rain or to hear the rain on the roof of the home. It's, very, it's, a, one, it's a fun thing for me. And I love a good storm, and you probably do too, if you have shelter. Storms can be good for nature, for plants that need rain. Even wildfires can be good for a forest if there is uh, dead and decaying wood that needs to be burned up. And all I have to say uh, uh, along these lines is don't be afraid of the storm, of divisions or hardships, because we have a shelter. We have a shelter in Jesus Christ. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. You see, we are still children of God. We are in his family. Jesus is still the head of our church. And all of this is a pruning process that can be frightening and that can be discouraging, but it actually can be quite exciting and good because when the darkness of storm uh, when the darkness of the storm settles in the light of Jesus shines all the more brightly when things get really dark it's when the light of God shines the most brilliantly Jesus told us in the sermon on the mount you are the light of the world a town built on a hill cannot be hidden Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In other words, we don't shy away. But in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, this is an opportunity for us to let our lights shine before others. Not that they would glorify us. Those days are long past but so that they may see our good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The dividing lines may be uh, being drawn with a thicker marker, and God may be used this time as a pruning process. But for those of us that are followers of Jesus, this is, a, this is an opportunity for us to join in with, in the work that he has already been doing, to bring peace to this earth, now that peace will cause division because there are some who will reject it. We don't control that. But what we simply do is shine our light and let others see the good, uh, the good, our good deeds and hear the good news of Jesus. And ultimately, there will be some who will glorify our Father in heaven. Let's pray. Father God, as we... Uh, now turn to you. We have a sense of um, humility that we need to receive strength from you because there is a storm on the horizon. In fact, we may even begin, we may even already be living in the storm, but things will surely get worse in the days and the months and the years to come. But God, we thank you because it is during the difficult times that your love is all, always seen the most clearly. And it, and it gives us the greatest opportunity for us to be representatives of you. And so I thank you for pruning. And I thank you that you are drawing us to yourself to be the people of God even more, to take that firmer stand than we ever have before.
And so God, I pray that you would help us, help us to find our shelter in you and to rely on you. But God, I thank you for the work that you are doing. God, I pray for every individual and family that is watching this right now. May you bless them in their homes. May they, may they if those dividing lines are being drawn with a thicker marker, I pray that they would find themselves just resting on the side of your love all the more. Draw them to yourself and fill them with a sense of peace and joy because they know the work of reconciliation that you have done in their hearts and their families. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.